Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Hey, Todd. Dr. Wignall, how are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. good. Another Friday afternoon. They're wonderful, aren't they? Mm-hmm. I dig them. What are we talking about today? Well, I, I thought we'd maybe cover um, something we hear a lot, another kind of um, pop diagnosis. Um, people will describe themselves as people pleasers. People pleasers. You heard this term before? It's kind of fun to say, people pleaser. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those. I have. <laughs> I hear this term a lot. People pleasing. Mm-hmm. It's usually, I'm such a people pleaser. Yeah. Like the way I hear it presented yeah. quite a bit. I'm a people. Yeah, it's like this, I am a... Self-diagnosed, I'm a people mm-hmm. And obviously in a kind of negative connotation there. Yeah. What is the connotation that they're making, I guess, if you were to draw that out and elaborate, what are they trying to say? So I hear it associated a lot with people who have trouble with confrontation or want to avoid confrontation. So it's often talked about as, well, I don't want to get into a big conflict or I don't want to get someone, someone to get upset um, so I'm just going to do what they want, basically. Mm-hmm. I'm going to mm-hmm. kind of please them. Or, in the other context I see a lot is people who can't basically have a low tolerance for other people in their life being upset. Being and, mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being mad. Or or even sometimes, usually it's mad, um, but even sometimes things like sad or anxious. And so they like will just absolutely tie themselves in knots trying to make this other person feel better. Um, so a low tolerance for the discomfort of other people. Yeah, I think that that sometimes is how it shows up. But more often than not, it's this like um, there's conflict or the potential for conflict. And so someone puts aside what they actually want or what they actually think should be done in order to just kind of keep the other person appeased. So kind of a a significant history of uh, struggling to be assertive in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the the more kind of clinical term or way of looking at it. But yeah. yeah, I think that's right. Like, and there might be various reasons they're struggling to be assertive, but that lack of assertive behavior seems to be the driving kind mm-hmm. of uh, maintaining factor, I guess. Yeah. And, yeah. And I think for a lot of people too, it's it's gone on for so long that it's just, it's almost kind of part of their identity. Like they identify as the kind of person who is like the the peacekeeper, right? Mm-hmm. That's like their role, like in their in their family or in their marriage or whatever it is like they just really see that as a core part of their identity is they're the one who kind of kind of mellows everything out and keeps the peace and um but then inevitably if, if it ends up coming up in therapy it's because they're they're running into situations where this is not working for them like or or where the side effects are just really getting pretty intense yeah yeah and and often you're right they're kind of labeling themselves as this is kind of who i am or or this is what i do this is my role i kind of um fill in this gap between um, what people want and, and uh, getting it to them mm-hmm. at my co- at cost to me usually. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like I, I see it a lot with people who will say, um, you know, they'll want to like speak up right during a, a meeting at work or they have something they want to bring up with their spouse um, and they kind of start bringing it up and then they get negative feedback. Like, oh, I don't know if it's not a good time to say, oh, okay, that's fine. Like we don't have to talk about it right now. Like that's okay. Mm-hmm. And then they'll be like kind of hitting themselves afterwards for it. Like, God, I should have like now, you know, my husband's gone for, you know, two weeks on business and I can't actually bring this thing up anymore. And I should have just, I wish I could have just said what I needed to say instead of being such a people pleaser, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and bending over backwards to make sure they felt, 
you know, okay and not uncomfortable. And, um, yeah. You so there's know, a lot of regret that goes along with it retrospectively, I think. Yeah. And, and, and uh, regret and resentment. Yeah. You see right, a lot of right. that. Uh, the other thing I, I see a lot is, um, you know, long story short, the, the, the remedy to this is, is assertive behavior and learning to kind of tolerate the discomfort of other people in order to, to be assertive and get what you need as well. And that's often very challenging. Um, the other thing I see here a lot is, is that when people show up and they say, I am a people pleaser and I need help with that, what they're looking for almost is how can you help me coach other people to be more cooperative with me? Or to, oh. or to kind of give me what I need too, right? How do I get that um, without, you know, that, that assertive behavior mm -hmm. part? Because that's the hard part for them. That's the thing that will involve maybe a little bit of conflict or, right. or standing your ground. And that's often really, I mean, the last per, the last thing this, these kind of people want to do is, is be assertive. So that usually they're looking for, help me convince my husband to do this or help yeah. me convince my wife or my partner that I need this. And, and how do I talk to them in a way that they're going to cooperate with me? Um, do you get, do you get, do you hear that yeah. as well? This is often the first stage when I'm working with somebody on this, this problem is the, before you even get to being more assertive, you have to kind of undo this, this idea that you can have your cake and eat it too, that you can still keep the peace. But if you just learn the right like technique or the right way of phrasing something, the right wording, you can still avoid conflict and still get what you want. <laughs> right, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Which really does run up against that. You can't have your cake and eat it too phenomenon most of the time. Like at the end of the day, a lot of the stuff just is going to be kind of hard and there is going to be some conflict. Um, and really at core, one of the biggest problems here is just how phobic or terrified you are of even very, really very small amounts of conflict. Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, if you're so avoidant of even little modest bits of conflict, yeah, it's just very hard to, it's very hard to get your needs met, right? And, and then all very. this stuff flows from that, from low self-esteem to resentment to more conflict. You know, like it's just, it's a vicious cycle. Well, and like you said, as soon as that, that pushback, um, you know, from uh, um, another person kind of occurs, um, people pleasers tend to be very kind of hypersensitive to that too. They're almost looking for, are, is this person okay? And at the slightest hint of pushback, they're, they're willing to kind of fold and, and go along with whatever the other person would, would prefer. Yeah. Um, and so I find helping clients not be so hypersensitive um, about what other people may kind of um, say in response or act out in response um, is also pretty useful. Because so, as soon as they float out the like, oh, here's what I would prefer, they're almost looking for any sort of indication um, in, in facial expression, body language, anything that might make them just fold right away. Right. Yeah, and I think sometimes too, it's not even totally conscious. It's just like a habit. You know, it's almost instantaneous. Like yeah. as soon as there's any sort of resistance or pushback, it's like this gut reaction that just kind of comes up. Um, so how do you, when you're working with people, how do you actually help them become less like if you're if you're one of these people and you're feeling like yeah i am so sensitive to even just the beginning little like trickles of conflict in somebody how do i be less sensitive to that and it's not about i would i would phrase it differently it's not about being less sensitive it's just um tolerating more mm -hmm. of that discomfort and, and i think the more you tolerate the less um hyper aware you are of those things when when you're able to you know i, I tell people to start start in, in kind of a, a low rung on a ladder and um you know if if uh 
a waiter brings your food out and it's not right, go ahead and be assertive there and say, this isn't right. And watch that person go, oh, geez, I got to take this back. And mm-hmm. and just kind of sit there in that and, and, and look them in the eyes and say, yeah, go ahead and take it back, you know. And um, Or uh, when, you're, when you're in the grocery aisle, don't move for the other person and see, you know, pick these instances yeah. where you're, they're pretty commonplace and you know someone's going to be frustrated, but not at the extent that, um, you would want to ask your partner for that um, vacation you've always wanted or whatever, but pick something else that's a little yeah. bit more um, easier and, and get used to looking people in the eye when they're uncomfortable. And I always suggest that. Don't avoid um, kind of seeing the discomfort. Right. Uh, go ahead and, and uh, increase your tolerance of, of seeing that on their face and still being assertive with what you want. Yeah, I think the, the key here is that there's no there's no like magic technique. It's like... You know, if someone asks you and they say like, well, I, I, want, I want to be able to do, I want to be able to do a pull-up. They're at the gym and they're like, you know, I've never mm-hmm. been able to do a pull-up and I really want to be able to do a pull-up. So how do you, how do you get better at doing pull-ups? Well, there's no like trick really. You just, the muscles that are involved in doing a pull-up just have to get stronger. And Work in small ways, yeah. you just have to stress those. And so you use a pull-up machine that gives you a little support, right? Mm-hmm. And you do that, you put that at a certain weight into where you can do it a few times and then you gradually get rid of that weight so you get closer and closer and closer to be able to do it on, on your own body weight. So I think the the trick with this, like how do I get more confident in asking for what I want and tolerating the discomfort from having other people potentially be displeased mm-hmm. is I think it's that you just start really small and work your way up. I think that's the key. So I sometimes I'll, I do this thing that I call it the, the um, conflict ladder. So I'll get my whiteboard out and I'll draw, I'll draw a ladder, like basically just a little sketch of a ladder. And then I'll, I'll label the rungs one through 10 and I'll have the first step is I want you to think of in your life, a conflict that matches up with each one of these intensity levels of conflict. So 10 out of 10, like what's the most terrible conflict you can imagine, right? Put something down there. One, like what's the least, what's the like most mild, tiny bit of conflict Mm -hmm. you can imagine. And I have them fill out the ladder. And then I say, okay, now we're going to zoom in on rungs one, two, and three. And I want you to come up with like five for each of those. Right. Now, this is important because you're basically creating opportunities for exercising that muscle of tolerating the discomfort of someone else being displeased or a little bit of conflict. Right. And the, the only way you can end up doing those things that are like, four and above on the ladder is you get more comfortable and strong doing the ones that are really small. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of people have a hard time with this because they, they focus on the things that are like fours, fives, sixes, sevens, right? And it's just too, it's just too hard. It's like never having lifted weights in your life and going and putting 300 pounds on the bench press and saying like, let's do this. Yeah. Like, no way. <laughs> let's try this. <laughs> you got to work yeah. your way up. Um, so I think that's, there isn't really a secret. The, the secret is getting really specific about what are very small ways that I can practice and build up my confidence and tolerance for that discomfort that goes mm-hmm. along with not just being a people pleaser and actually standing up for what you want. Yeah, a, a great place to start too is just be authentic. So when, when someone says, hey, what do you want to eat? Can we go here? Oh, yeah. And you don't want to go there, go ahead and say no. And look them in the eyes and say, no, I'd prefer this. Or, you know, if, if you're asked to do something that you really don't want to do in that moment, say no. Um, but, but look for opportunities to, to really kind of voice your own preferences and authentic mm-hmm. kind of desires there and then watch their face. That's yeah. a great point. And often, often you don't even need 
overt conflict, just exercising your own preference right. can be really helpful. Right. Right. It doesn't even have to be a situation where there even is the possibility for a lot of conflict. Mm-hmm. You know? um, the other thing I would point out is that, is that when, when, a, when you fold, um, when you see that displeasure on somebody's, on somebody's face and you fold, what you're really valuing is that other person's comfort over what you really want. And, and to think of that almost philosophically, do I really want to sacrifice what I want because other people are uncomfortable? Um, that's a good way to say, ooh, I don't want to make that trade anymore. Yeah. You know, that, that's a trade I'm making that's obviously not working for me. Um, like we said earlier, a lot of the times what, what ends up happening and what might signal this to you is that you're building up a lot of resentment and anger. Right. Okay. So now let, let me play uh, devil's advocate here. The blowback I always get when I suggest something like that is, well, but like I, that would be selfish. Like I can't just, you know, you need to like take care of other people and do things for other people. And you can't just be self-centered and narcissistic and only care about what you want. <laughs> to which I usually say, absolutely. Right. But you wouldn't be in here if you were, you know, on average 50, 50, you know, doing stuff for other people and for yourself. And you had like a good balance of sort of self and other focused in your life. You're here because 99 times out of a hundred, you're prioritizing other people and not yourself. So it's not like we're recommending <laughs> you become a complete narcissistic, self-centered, you know, right. terrible person. <laughs> yeah. Not at all. We're just saying balance. You yeah. Know? It does seem like though they're worried the pendulum is going to swing so way far over the, far the other the side. Other yeah. Um, and, and I always kind of remind my patients in this situation, look, we could push this pendulum pretty far. I don't think it's going to go <laughs> anywhere near the other side, but to, to, um, to, to elaborate there though, the idea that, Pursuing what you want and your own uh, happiness and meaning is somehow a selfish thing <laughs> that might deserve some elaboration as well. Cause right. that, that, that seems like a philosophy that wouldn't work long term. Yeah. Um, the, the last little point on people pleasing that I, that I think is actually important that I like to more and more, I've been pointing this out with people is that the, the desire to please people is not in itself a bad thing right? In fact, it's really natural. So I think a lot of people end up getting overly pathological with themselves. Like, Oh, I'm such a people pleaser. Mm. Like I'm, I'm a terrible person. Cause I'm, I'm a people, people can swing to that extreme too. And I, I, that is really not helpful either. Cause you're just adding a ton of like shame onto whatever else, mm-hmm. all the other difficulties. Kind of an odd with. judgment. Yeah. yeah. And so I like to remind people that, um, you know, one of our competitive advantages as a species is that we're really good at coordinating despite what you might think of if you watch the news. <laughs> but like we're a very social, uh, interactive species, right? And you don't get that way unless you can identify and care about what other people are thinking and what other people are thinking and feeling about you. Yeah. Like it's not that that doesn't matter, which is something that rubs me the wrong way about a lot. There's of, something to uh, normalize here. There, there's, totally. Yeah, yeah. Like, but I think a lot, a lot of people hear, and you hear this in a lot of kind of self-helpy stuff. There's this idea that like, well, you just shouldn't care you, you know, what other people think about you, who cares? Like, it doesn't yeah. matter. All that matters is what you think about yourself, right? Bullshit. Like, that is such a load of garbage. Like, if you live by yourself in the mountains, that, that's... Of course good. it matters what other people think of you to some extent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I always try and encourage people to take kind of a healthy, balanced perspective on this. It makes sense that you care about what other people think. Like, that's not a bad thing if it gets excessive to where that's the only thing dictating all of your decisions, well, maybe we should step back and look at that a little bit. But the instinct itself to care about what other people think and feel, that's not a bad thing. Like that's a good thing. Yeah. So this would be more about balance than an extreme. Yeah, exactly. So I think 
and ironically, I think you're going to be more able to um, take a step back, tolerate some discomfort, and actually assert yourself and what you want if you first validate the fact that like, just because I, I care about what other people think, it's not a bad thing. I don't actually want to follow through with that in this situation. But the fact that I'm feeling that way doesn't make me a bad person. doesn't mean something's wrong with me, right? right. It's a normal instinct for most <laughs> social people. people. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.